Roe v. Wade has been aborted, says today's guest, Ryan Bomberger of the Radiance Foundation. Ryan has an amazing personal story as he was conceived in rape and adopted in love. He joins us today to talk about abortion and the recent landmark court decision on overturning Roe versus Wade. You won't want to miss this. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Moms for America podcast. Each week, we introduce you to special guests who share their personal stories and advice on how to build a strong foundation of faith, family, and freedom in their home, community, and country. Hi, moms. I'm Debbie Kurlitis, your host, and this is the Moms for America podcast, a show inspiring, encouraging, and educating moms in their journey through motherhood. We want to go ahead and invite you to like and subscribe to our podcast. We also want to ask you to share this podcast and our other podcasts with your mom friends. We want to officially welcome everyone to today's episode. Uh, and if you're new, super welcome. Uh, we hope that you join us every week. Also, if you have an idea for our podcast, a topic, a discussion you want us to talk about, information, whatever it is, would you please email me at podcast at momsforamerica.net. Again, that's podcast at momsforamerica.net. Love to hear from you. I also want to invite you, every mama listening, to join our movement here at Moms for America. It's moms like us uniting all across the country to fight for faith, family, freedom, and the Constitution. That's what we're doing. So check us out at momsforamerica.us. Again, that's momsforamerica.us. Um, we've got all kinds of great resources and information for you, Mama, on how to build strong kids and uh, nurture your family and teach the principles of liberty in your home. Okay, so on to today's discussion. I'm so thrilled about this uh, guest today and this topic because it's so uh, it's so important to us as mom. It's the topic of life. So today we're discussing a historic Supreme Court decision. We all know this came down recently. This is something that pro-life advocates have been working towards for nearly 50 years. So on Friday, June 24th, the United States Supreme Court released their decision overturning Roe v. Wade. In overturning this decision, the Supreme Court has said that the Constitution does not confer the right to an abortion. Instead, the authority to regulate abortion is returned to the people and their elected representatives. Basically, each state now will make their own decisions regarding this issue. Ryan Bomberger is my guest today. Thrilled to have him. Ryan is the co-founder and chief executive officer of the Radiance Foundation. And we're thrilled to have you, Ryan. Thank you for joining us. Hey, it's great to be here with you. Well, Ryan, I had your wife on a few months ago. She was amazing. We were talking to her about raising pro-life kids. I remember she teased a little bit of your story um, on that podcast. So therefore, I'm following you, following her, following Radiance, and you guys are doing amazing, amazing things for life. Um, but officially, could you kind of just tell us a little bit about your family, which is so interesting, and then we'll get into a little bit about your personal story. So tell us about the kids and the wife. Sure, sure. Well, I have awesome wifey. Uh, she's my favorite person on the planet, Bethany. You have to say that, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, um, not that she forces me to say it because it's a genuine feeling, but you know what? She's 
I'm always remembering that Ray Romano, what was that um, Everyone Loves Raymond episode where he forgets to thank his wife during a speech. <laughs> and that always goes through my, my head. I never want to forget to seriously thank the most important woman in my life. So right, Bethany is, is awesome. She's also the co-founder of the Radiance Foundation. We have four kiddos, two of whom were, were adopted, and all four of whom are homeschooled, which is a daily challenge and a blessing. <laughs> so it's only we, a homeschooling family can say, yeah. Right, right, exactly. And we, I love the fact that our kids are involved in our ministry, involved in the Radiance Foundation. They get to travel all around the United States. They get to see this life work um, just in action, visiting pregnancy centers and going to conferences, being outside the Supreme Court with us. It's really a blessing. Our kids are 11 through 17 and they're- You're busy. They, they are busy and they're all, they're, they're kind of like me and kind of like Bethany, but more like me. So they're really headstrong. So we have our, our hands full. I'm just saying they're awesome kiddos. As only a parent can say. Yes. <laughs> I do want to get into your personal story, but first, can we kind of just recap what happened with the SCOTUS? Um, so people understand what happened, but actually before we even get into that, right. I want to talk a little bit about, would you ever, did you ever think you would see this day? And I watched your Instagram post that day, which was so emotional, so heartfelt. I felt terrible that you were there alone rejoicing in this. <laughs> Me too. But what happened that day and what was it like for you personally? You know, I had been waiting for this day, uh, my wife and I working through the Radiance Foundation and just even before we started Radiance Foundation, just hopeful. So when people ask, did you expect this to happen? Yes, because when you're believing in God to do something, the expectation is there. So I was always hopeful. Right. I just didn't know it was going to come that quickly. I just felt, well, quickly, you know, it's been 49 years, but quickly in the, in the, I guess the the scheme of things when we started the Radiance Foundation, which was about 14 years ago, and I was by myself that day. No one was really expecting it to come out on a Friday. My wife right. was at the Pro-Life Women's Conference, and it was an hour before their conference began that this was announced. My kids were at camp, and I will tell you, I was a hot mess all <laughs> day long, but it was a, a good hot mess because I was just overjoyed that something that seemed so impossible in the natural Mm -hmm. happened. And, and this is just a reminder for those that God uses a remnant all the time. So never give up. So many people give up just the moment before the miracle. And so there were so many mm -hmm. feelings just combined all at once. But um, I was just, I was celebrating by myself and with friends via social media and the phone. <laughs> right. What a day that was. And I think, you know, it did seem like all of a sudden it came quickly. There was this leak and then we were hoping it was going to happen. Then you just really right. never know no one ever knows what really will happen. We don't know if we're getting told the truth, if the leak right. was true. So, right. So all of us were just rejoicing and, and, and so happy that uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned. Um, before we get into speaking about that specifically in, in the life issue, I want to talk about your story, because I always feel like when someone has a personal story that completely relates to the topic, it makes you're speaking from such a different point. I cannot speak to um, abortion like you can speak to abortion. You say that you are the 1% used 100% of the time to justify abortion. Can you tell us your story um, just so we understand where you're coming from and really how personal this is to you and that there really is hope. There really is hope. Absolutely. And having lived that, I know that it's more than some sort of saying or, I don't know, platitude. Some people would write that off, but it's, it's real life. 
No, I am, I am the fringe example that even, even some pro-lifers have a hard time wrapping their minds and their hearts around. My birth mom experienced the, the horror and the violence of rape, but I thank God she did not make me a victim of abortion. She was courageous enough, not only to give me, you know, the incredible gift of life, but the incredible gift of adoption. So I grew up in a family of, well, your typical American family, 15. I have six, <laughs> six brothers, I have six sisters. Your parents, God bless them. <laughs> they, they were the perfect parents for us. Not perfect, because heaven knows, as a parent, I know we're, none of us are perfect. But here's the thing, they, where the world had written me off as worthless, they saw my God-given worth. And so to be the first one adopted, and then every year in our family, I'm not kidding, there was like a new flavor added to the family. You know, we're, we're white and black and mixed and Native American, Vietnamese, just able, disabled, just a mixture of those that the world so easily writes off because we don't fit the picture of perfection or because we were unplanned. And somehow if we were unplanned, you know, this is the DNA of the abortion industry. If we're unplanned, we're gonna be unwanted and unloved, but yet my parents, Henry and Andrea Bomberger, shattered that whole myth of the unwanted child. So I was conceived in rape, but definitely adopted in love. I guess I wasn't gonna ask this question, but as I'm sitting here, I'm like, how did they tell you this? How did they tell uh, you that? Or, or, was, or what age was that? How did you find that out? That's a great question. I was 13 years old. And up until that time, I had apparently the wrong version of my origin story for years and years. And so it was in a, how shall I say, a tense conversation. I was a handful. I was stubborn, headstrong, bullheaded kid. Anyway, so it was in a an argument. And somehow this all came out in the argument because my parents were trying to understand my anger. I had a lot of anger. And then I also had a lot of self-rejection, which I believe was felt in the womb. But it was at 13 where my mom expressed to me the true origin story. She had thought that they had conveyed it much earlier, but I didn't understand until that time what rape was. Mm. So here you have a rewrite of your whole you know, origin story. But I'll tell you, because I was loved like crazy by my parents, um, I didn't fall apart. I could have, because I mean, teenage years are already tumultuous enough. Right. But I used that actually just weeks later in a persuasion speech in public school on abortion, where I shared for the first time the actual origins, my actual origin story. And I realized, oh my goodness, I have a story to tell and I, and I need to tell it. And I watched the way that my teacher reacted and my fellow students and friends reacted. So yeah, at the age of 13 is when I fully understood that it wasn't just an issue of my birth parents didn't want me, but I realized the incredible courage for my birth mom to go through nine months of a, of a traumatic pregnancy. So, wow. yeah, there you have it. <laughs> <sighs> look what you have done. Look, look what God has done. Right. You know, what he is restored and he's renewed and he's, oh my goodness, your testimony is amazing. Um, obviously, God bless your parents and thank, thank you to your birth mom um, because rape and incest are very difficult topics to discuss. Right. Um, this is kind of the groundwork that everyone uses for right. legalizing abortion. Um, and even some, you know, some folks kind of maybe get soft on the issue saying, well, you know, 
you know, in rape and incest, maybe abortion is okay. I mean, I've heard that argument too, um, but you are such a testimony to what God can do and just the beauty of life and that, of course, like your shirt, and I have one of those shirts that says life has purpose. Yes. We all have purpose. How how do we convey this message before we get, I'm gonna go get to the Supreme Court, but how do we right. convey this message to moms that are in a situation where there is incest or there is rape that choose life, right. you know, choose adoption. You know, Bethany and I meet so many people in the events where we keynote, we keynote about 60 events a year. And I never expected to meet so many survivors of rape, women who became mothers through rape. I have met post-aborted women who were raped and chose abortion. And I chose, and I also have met birth moms, you know, who chose adoption. And the interesting thing to me as someone conceived in rape is I, I heard from them a common thread and the common thread, even among the post-abortive women was that the child is the only redemptive part of such a horrific act. Mm. See, rape is, I mean, you already have the tragedy of rape and what the pro-abortion side does all the time is it's always about fear, right. always about fear. Um, they're always exploiting one tragedy in order to promote another. The problem is they don't want to talk about punishing the rapist. And even as a Christian, we believe that everybody deserves redemption. Mm -hmm. But somehow it, it's, it's, there's this immediate go-to to the innocent child. And so for us, we want people to, to learn how to convey love, that the natural solution or the natural follow-up to such a horrific act of violence like rape is not the horrific act of violence of abortion. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's really amazing to, to see and meet some of these incredible women who have been through it. And I've been in st on stage with a number of them. Right. We, work with a, we work with a number of, of these incredible individuals who really just prove that we can all be stronger than our circumstances. We have to remember that rape was the reason that Roe v. Wade even began in the first place. Right. Norma McCorvey, who was the Jane Roe of Roe v. Wade, she mm -hmm. lied about being raped in California, one of the first abortion laws in 1967. It was called the Therapeutic Abortion Act. Mm -hmm. It was there, they called it therapeutic because it was there for cases of rape and incest. We have to remember that what seemed innocuous, yes, these understandable cases then turned into over a million abortions a year. In fact, in our in the latest year, 2020, 930,000 abortions in this country, but they're always exploiting rape, which happens less than 1% of the time in abortions. And I'm not minimizing that or trivializing that because I don't want to minimize or trivialize yeah. my own life. Sure. Um, but it is always used to justify all abortions. And then when you say, okay, what if I give you what if I give you the 1% of abortions that are due to rape and incest? Will, will you say these other 99% that these aren't right and that these we can we can say no to those? Of course, the response is the same. It's either silence or some pejorative followed by the word no. So, Right. It's become the number one birth control. There's no doubt about it. Um, right. So we got to say what it is. And the, and, and the truth that is behind it. And, and just as I'm talking with you, just thinking about the origins of Roe v. Wade, that, that lie that it was built on is the truth that you lived. I mean, it couldn't be more crazy. Um, so let's talk about the recent uh, Supreme Court decision, the ruling. Um, there is some confusion about it. I mean, you, you'll see on social media, and, it, and I, I know a lot of our moms are very educated uh, about the ruling, but a lot of people think that it is going to, you know, that it was 
stopping abortion. It's not stopping abortion, it's pushing it to the states. So a little bit of, from your perspective, why this is so important that now we are at the state level with abortion. Right, there are so many dynamics to this. People need to remember that when Roe v. Wade was passed, it's supremely wrong constitution, uh, you know, Supreme Court decision. Back in 73, it was followed too on the same day with Doe v. Bolton, which allowed abortion through the entire pregnancy, including partial birth abortion. So what the current Supreme Court did was supremely correct that supremely wrong decision in mm -hmm. saying that one, the court had no business even trying to decide on this issue, especially since it ignored all the actual science that existed. So they said, this is now returned to the people, that's us and our right. elected representatives. So what that means is for states that actually never had any laws that allowed abortion, because you have to remember the majority of states um, had abortion was criminal criminalized in the majority of states before Roe v. Wade. So it returns back to whatever the laws that were existing at that time. Uh, and so there are a number of states where that's the case. There are states that actually have passed laws that said when Roe v. Wade is overturned, it's called a trigger law, when Roe v. Wade is overturned, abortion will be illegal in this state, Louisiana being one of them, Texas being another. So you have a number of states, I think there were about 13, where there were trigger laws. Now in the states where like California, Illinois, I'm New York, Illinois. yeah, <laughs> where actually their laws are more radical than Roe v. Wade. At least Roe yeah. v. Wade allowed, allowed, you know, regulation after viability. These states, not only have they eliminated all that, allowing abortion up to birth, they are also allowing the abortion industry to self-police. So they're not allowing any kind of regulations for these so-called abortion clinics. And people need to understand that. So in the states where they've radicalized their abortion laws, this is now returned to the people where the people hopefully will wake up and understand the violent injustice of abortion and fight to overturn those laws in those states. But there are a number of states right now where abortion is illegal, although I will say there are some judges trying to <laughs> step in and defy the Supreme Court and not allow some of those states like Louisiana from implementing their you know, Love Life Amendment, which bans abortion in the state of Louisiana. Well, there's a new battle now, right? The 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 ground game is different now, right. um, and it is going to be in each of the states. Uh, like you said, Illinois here, this is a really tough state. Um, uh, and here, you know, just is even thinking about the Democratic response uh, from President Biden saying that the ruling took away a constitutional right. How have we convinced people mm -hmm. that there was a constitutional right to abort their child? How did how did we ever get to that message? Well, repeating it a million times, pretending right. that there actually is a constitutional right, pretending that it's embedded in the 14th Amendment, which actually finally recognized the humanity of people, my complexion. You had the Reconstruction Amendments, the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, the 13th, which abolished slavery, the 14th, which recognized our humanity and citizenship, and the 15th, which allowed uh, voting, at least for Black men at the time. So <laughs> they took the 14th Amendment, which said no one could be deprived of life, liberty, or property, and said, oh, I, that means you're allowed to kill an unborn child. Hmm. How? Which is how do why... we connect, How do we <laughs> pull that out of there, right? It's one of the most abused amendments, and uh, in Justice Alito referred to this in his majority, a brilliantly written majority opinion. But people have been lied to over and over. You just keep saying constitutional right, constitutional right. Well, where is that constitutional right? And yeah. why do only some people have the right to kill? Like uh, the mother can kill, the abortionist who's 
typically the one who's actually doing the killing. Um, be, but because of DIY chemical abortions, you now have mothers directly involved in that act. But fathers can't do that. You know, men can't do that. So not that they should. I'm not advocating for that at all. Right. But oh, it no, just shows just the inequality of, of all of it. But there is no constitutional right. But it's amazing what happens when you say that over and over again. And the funny thing, too, about mm-hmm. Biden, he says, you know, this is going to this decision is going to take us back 150 years. No, it's actually taking us back to 1972, where the majority of states had already criminalized abortion. That's where it takes us back. Back to when he actually said Roe went too far. But I guess he can't really remember back to when he started out as a senator who was partially pro-life. Now he's so radically pro-abortion that I can't even believe the stuff that comes out of his mouth. I don't know that he actually believes the things that are coming out of his mouth. Right. I mean, we are continually shocked at what's coming out of Washington and actually this culture, too. Um, what are some of the steps that, that you see? What's our strategy now state by state? I know it's going to depend on our legislation and getting pro-life legislators elected. Do you think that we can, what's your hope? What's your hope for the pro-life movement? That's what I wanna ask you. Well, a lot of hope. One, we're gonna continue to do what we've been doing in the 2,700 pregnancy centers that exist. Actually, there are a few more than that, but just just over 2,700 pregnancy centers that have cared for mother and child for years and years. Obviously that work is going to exponentially increase. Mm-hmm. And that's where churches can step in. That's where individuals can step in to volunteer, to financial yes. support. One of the best ways to find out where your local pregnancy center is, is pregnancycenters.org. That's pregnancycenters.org. That's one way. Another way is to support maternity homes too. There are 450 maternity homes. And you don't have to even rely on the organization to bring in a single mom who will care and 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 take care of her and her her child, help give her life skills, GET. Mm-hmm. There are so many things that happen inside these maternity homes, but you can also turn your home into a place that can be a refuge for a single mom. So these are some things that people can do as individuals, getting the church to actually engage. Karenet has a great discipleship program on pro-life issues and teaching a pro-life worldview uh, called Making Life Disciples. It's a great way of bringing that into your church to understand the, the full breadth of all of these issues. Mm-hmm. And of course, on you know, when it comes to voting, making sure you get people who are genuinely pro-life. People say, oh, we've heard in the last election, it doesn't matter which party you belong to. First of all, that's garbage. Read each party's platform. You read the Democrat platform and you read the Republican platform, and they are drastically different. The Democrat yeah. platform talks about fighting for abortion for any reason, the unrestricted you know, abortion on demand, even mentions Planned Parenthood and defending Planned Parenthood on their platform, whereas the Republican platform genuinely is the party of life. And mm-hmm. so although we are not a political or partisan organization, we are always going to vote for the individual or the politician who will defend human dignity. You know, one of our friends is Senator Katrina ja- Jackson out of, um, out of Louisiana. She's a pro-life Democrat, which there are very few of those, but she is right. a pro-life Democrat. She's the one behind the Love Life Amendment in Louisiana that banned abortion. So, you know, if you're in the Democrat Party, keep working to fight for a pro-life platform in that party. But we have to vote for our elected leaders who yeah. actually defend life. Without life, okay. nothing else matters. That's right. And like you said, we're, we're, we're not a political organization either, or 501c3, but we are an issue-oriented organization. Right. And again, we stand for life always. Um, and it is, it is truly... Um, 
it's the foundation. I mean, if we don't respect life, then nothing else really matters. Right. Um, what, uh, what are some things that we can, um, how do we communicate this message to our kids? I, I talked about this at length with your wife, but I like to talk about it now about raising a pro-life uh, generation of kids. And we carry your book at, at our website, which is momsforamerica.us. And I do want to get your website as well. Yep, there it is, pro-life kids. We, uh, we carry that at our website and at your website. Um, but, but we need to be raising pro-life yep. kids, a pro-life generation. Um, what are some of the things that you would think would be helpful for us as moms to be doing on a regular basis inside our home? Well, we can't be afraid to talk about these issues. I know it's hard as a parent when you feel like, okay. why am I talking about this to a five, a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, eight? Because the world is. <laughs> The yeah. world is trying to reach them, you know, pre-K with all right. gender confusion and right. the list goes on and on. I mean, I live in Loudoun County. If oh, you've okay. heard of Loudoun County, Virginia, yes. There have. We've got you a know, lot of moms out there. <laughs> right. I mean, the indoctrination is happening at early ages. So we cannot be afraid to broach these subjects with our children. Of course, you do it in an age-appropriate way, but kids are, are naturally pro-life. And so what you're doing is you're reinforcing what's already there because they have to be taught that it's somehow okay to harm or to kill another innocent human life. So we start in the home and we talk about what does it mean to be pro-life? I mean, yes, our book, Pro-Life Kids, is a, great, um, is a great introduction to that for kids, but also teaching them a biblical worldview on humanity, that we're right. all created in the image of God. And when we're called, you know, when Christ says, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you love one another people love that part love one another but they forget what follows as i have loved you mm. i gave my life for you it's a self-sacrificial love and teaching children that that is the highest form of love That's simply true. not just loving every because they have a warped understanding of what it actually means to love somebody love lifts people out of their circumstances so these are things that we can be teaching children they can actually be involved too. There are great ways for them to be involved, even in a local pregnancy center. They can go on these walks, um, mm -hmm. you know, these walks to help ra raise money for their pregnancy centers. They can actually go through and take a tour, take your young children through a pregnancy center so they can understand what happens there, how God transforms lives there. It's, I mean, my kids have been impacted every time we've taken them in and every center has its own unique character, but the commonality throughout all of them is that they are loving mothers and fathers and their children born and unborn. And it's a great tangible way for kids to understand, oh my word, there are walls and walls of diapers. There are walls and walls of formula. Who are these for? They're for the mamas <laughs> and they're for free. And it's because they love them. The furniture, the clothing, a right. kid will see that and they will understand what it actually when people say pro-life is pro-love they understand that it's it's a beautiful tangible way of communicating that i like what you said i actually love what you said that kids are just naturally pro-life right i remember having the discussion with my kids always and they were so shocked they're like you mean a mom's not going to have their baby like they just literally could not comprehend that mom wouldn't carry her baby right. and that's just not their heart it's none of us none of us would ever say you know terminate something that we love and carry and whatever the circumstances because that just rolls off to all kinds of problems through all throughout their entire journey of life if we if they don't start with the beauty of life and that love has purpose right. 
Um, so I love what you're doing. Can you tell us a little bit about the Radiance Foundation and, and your mission there and what you and Bethany are doing there with the kids and your team? Yes, we just thank God that he has given us opportunities to be able to do things we never could have imagined back when we started the Radiance Foundation in 2009. We had three children. We didn't know squat about running a nonprofit. We didn't know anything. My wife was a teacher, worked in public and private school, and I worked as a creative director in the ad agency world. But we had this passion to be to try to illuminate that every human life is purpose, you know, yeah. in a creative way, an educational way. And so that was 2009. And, you know, fast forward 14, you know, years later and or going on the 14th year, God has opened up so many doors. The Radiance Foundation has four components. We, we do these live presentations, 60, about 60 multimedia presentations each year, different places. And we also, oh, we're factivists. So we write weekly op-eds, Typically, activists as opposed to activists. See, um, we combine the emotional with the evidential. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, there's all these terms out there. Are they really fact checkers? No, know. they, know, they messed know. up a term fact checker because fact checkers <laughs> sure did. have typically nothing to do with the facts. Um, yeah, fake news. Fake news says, oh, by the way, we have a division of fact checking. Like you lied. <laughs> so then the fact checkers are going to reinforce your lie. But we are factivists. Um, you know, less mm -hmm. activism, more factivism is one of our slogans. So we write these weekly op-eds, do extensive amount of research. We have these compassionate community outreaches. One is called, for instance, Sally's Lambs. It's our outreach to birth moms who choose adoption over abortion. Mm -hmm. We also have what's called the Henry and Andrea Bomberger Adopted and Loved Fund, where we help fund families' adoption journeys. Yes, that's relatively new. It's actually to honor my late father who passed away last year on the anniversary uh -huh. of Roe v. Wade and the most pro-life man I've ever known. So when people say pro-lifers don't care about people after they're born, first of all, that's garbage. It's a bumper sticker mantra, but my parents... <laughs> epitomize the pro-lifers who love and care for people Aww, after they're born. So this adoption funds for them. And then we also do these ad campaigns, creative ad campaigns, billboard campaigns on, mm -hmm. on life, where we have one coming up on racism. Um, and so our theme is going to be one human race, and we can't wait to unleash that. So these are things that we do creatively to illuminate that every human life, planned, unplanned, able, disabled, every hue, beautiful hue of skin, Every human life has purpose. And that's what we're all about, the Radiance Foundation. Amen, brother. I love it. I absolutely love it. Some final words for our moms before we, we close out on uh, maybe dealing with this death culture um, and how to address it in their home. Um, how, do, how, do we, how do we handle this properly and give it the due? I mean, we don't want to terrorize our children about what abortion is. We don't want to downplay it. Uh, we don't want to talk about it too early. I guess we just have to, as parents, pray through when and how we discuss this with our kids. But since you're on the forefront of discussing this, I just want to get some closing comments to the moms from you, Ryan. Yes. Well, moms have a very special duty. And no matter how much society keeps saying that moms and dads are interchangeable, we're not. I mean, right. I'm a stay-at-home dad, which is a weird label because stay-at-home moms and stay-at-home dads don't actually stay at home. But there, there's so much outpouring that happens. And we're so grateful for that opportunity to have the, the main influence in our children's lives. That's but right. what that means is you take opportunities. You take opportunities to ask questions. You take opportunities to figure out what's actually happening all around us so you can speak to these issues in an age appropriate way. 
the approach that we're supposed to take with everything is love. But we have to understand what love is. I just want to remind moms, read Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians mm. 13. Read how love is defined because the world is constantly distorting and perverting what love is. But when mm. we're teaching our kids what it actually means to love, then your child is going to have instilled in him or her this, this urgency that I don't want to see harm come to that person. I see that person's made in God's image. That person is so precious. I don't want to say anything or do anything that will cause them harm. Abortion causes harm yeah. every time to the unborn child. And it causes physiological, spiritual, and emotional harm to the, the mother and, and emotional and psychological and spiritual harm to the father. And so when we love and when we see through See, the world always wants us to look through the broken lens of whatever it is, broken lens of race, the broken lens of class. But right. we as Christians need to see through the breakthrough filter of Christ. Yes. And as you Amen. said, it's prayer first. Pray, love, repeat. Yes. Follow those. <laughs> Follow those steps. Pray, love, repeat. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you. I'm just Absolutely. thrilled to have you on. I know our moms will just... Uh, be inspired. Um, we just need to inspire one another, right? With truth yes. and with love and prayer and repeat. I'm going to put truth in there too, yeah. um, because that's really how we, we make it day to day in our homes and in, in, in this culture that's really preaching death and hopelessness. There's hope. There is a great future for our kids and life yes. is such a part of it. And your testimony and what you're doing over there at Radiance is just absolutely amazing. So thank you for what you're doing. I love what I'm doing. Thank you for what you're doing because truth does set each and every one of us free. So we got to keep speaking it and got to keep living it. It does. All right. Thanks, Ryan, so much for joining us. And say hi to Bethany and the kids and the team over there. Um, we so appreciate that you're protecting and defending life. And again, for more information on the Radiance Foundation, it's radiancefoundation.org. Or is it theradiancefoundation.org? It's radiancefoundation.org, or it's even easier if you just go to radiance.life. Okay. All right. Super. All right. And for everyone else, thank you so much for joining us again. Please share this podcast. We want to raise a pro-life generation, and we want to talk about life in our home and um, just how important this discussion is to have around our kitchen table. Um, I want to let you know about our website. I talked a little bit about how that book is on our website. We've got all kinds of resources at momsamerica.us. That is our website. Um, not only do we have resources and books, we have events, we have programs, we connect you with organizations like Radiance Foundation, uh, everything from public policy to homeschooling, we've got it all right on our website. Also, I always remind everyone to Check out our cottage meetings. Those are 12 lessons that will inspire and educate you moms about America's amazing heritage so that you can share the principles of liberty in your home and in your community. This program, along with so many of the other programs that are on our website, will help you impact your family in a very, very powerful way. Um, Moms America, we do have it all. And lastly, I want to invite you to sign up for our weekly newsletter. For instance, every week our podcast goes out, we'll have a hookup a hook a web link to um, Ryan's uh, website and other websites. So every week we promote information and educational materials that will help you in your journey through motherhood. So please sign up for our, our newsletter on our website. Uh, we believe that moms all across the country are, are, are the powerful force and the greatest influencers. 
and that they are the ones that are going to change this country and they are the ones that are protecting their children. So that's why this movement is so powerful and the moms are the ones that are going to save our country. Like, subscribe, share with your mama friends and we hope to see you again next week as we have another inspiring, informative discussion from moms just like you. Thanks moms for joining us and I hope to see you next week and let's keep changing our world one home at a time.